I thought I'd take my boy to see that new space movie. I hear it's got special effects. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red-letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal Now Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker. And we watched Robin Hood. It's a 2010 movie that stars Russell Crowe. It's directed by Ridley Scott. And it's Chris. a different... T- Chris. Yeah. You said we watched Robin Hood. Yeah. You know, we, we were like, okay, we should probably... Wa- that That is incorrect. You watched Robin Hood. Yeah. You know, I, th- I thought, you know, it would be a time for us to, uh, you know, check it out. It's got Kate Blanchett in it. I know you like her. And oh, she's... Yeah. yeah that's the thing Oscar Isaac, before. you were telling me all about her. So... Delete. Him. Okay. Whatever. First of all... <laughs> you think you're real fucking funny, don't you? Max von Sydow, also in it. I don't know what that is. So... He's in those old-timey movies about castles and Draculas, and I don't care for well, it. Well, it's a movie that really shows just how good Ridley Scott is and how he's you know a real visionary director, and he's always thinking of a new way to look at things. <laughs> Visual <laughs> director Zack Snyder's protege, Ridley Scott. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. We did not watch the 2010 version of Robin Hood, the one that Russell Crowe, I think, literally slept walk through. <laughs> That's cool that I didn't remember that movie existed, and now you put it in my head for the rest of the night, and that's all I can filter this. Through. All right, okay. So we watched Blade Runner, and we watched Blade Runner Blade Runner twenty forty nine. The one we didn't watch, and I think we probably should have if we had just been able to squeeze another day, was Soldier by Paul W S Anderson. I have it downloaded, so I'm going to watch that one next. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know it existed. We a Kurt Russell vehicle. That's a sequel to Blade Runner. We now have Blade Runner fever. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, Parker, do you have any news? Oh, Chris. I just have one piece of news that I know you're excited oh, for. Oh, what could it be? July 4th, Independence Day, you, me, celebrating the first purge. And it's got like the red hat on the poster and everything. It's like, oh, Trump. Isn't that nuts? Like, yeah, you know, why not not just put him in the movie? He'd probably say yes, he would absolutely say yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna watch that now. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy, (laughs) buddy, 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 buddy. The only news for me is that I recently found out that the villain in Black Panther is named Killmonger, and I just want to get this straight. I still have to see this. Boom to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've already paid the price. Okay. Alright, I'll make sure that I watch it on purpose. You can't escape it. Parker. You will not be reimbursed. Parker, what have you watched recently? Well, earlier in the week I decided, you know what? Let's have a little horror double feature. Yes. Get out with Tales from the Hood. <laughs> Now, do you remember how we talked about how we watched all these movies like in February that were really good, then we forgot about them? Yeah, more or less. 
you should rewatch Get Out because it's still really, really, really good. Okay, that's a very hot take, I know, but you should definitely rewatch I, it. I, you know, I'm gonna do that because it's it's right up there with Logan for me. It's like, oh yeah, that was really good, but it's like I don't know if I can compare it to all these other movies that came out recently. You know, it's only 90 minutes. Just it's worth. Okay, it. I'm gonna get on that. It's actually, I think, a way better the second time through when you know everyone's motives, every single interaction, especially with a what's her name. You get a whole different reading off of her. You should absolutely go Okay, back. I'm going to remember that. Now, with Tales from the Hood, I'm like, you know what? Here's a horror anthology from 1995 tackling, you know, a lot of societal issues at the time. Let's see how it compares to 2017. So the first segment was about cops murdering an innocent black guy. Things are going great in America, folks. Right, yeah. Everything's better now. Racism is done. <sighs> Well, uh, Tales from the Hood, also really good. Because it turns out horror anthologies are usually pretty good. Oh, that's, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll check that out sometime. I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but you know, I'll look into it. I'll just pencil that in. Okay. Anything else? <sighs> Chris, I had an emotional roller coaster of 24 hours in which I wa- consumed both Lady Bird and The Shape of Water. Ooh. I felt. So many feelings. Uh, Lady Bird, you can see immediately why I like it so much, right? Yeah, I get it. I caught on early on like, oh, this is going to hurt, huh? I, I mean, there's there's the pain about it, too. But there's also, I think there's a little bit of joy when you watch it, you know? Oh, absolutely. But man, when that pain comes, it is just right in the gut. Yeah. It's 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 kind of hard to watch sometimes, you know. In in different parts, it's a little bit hard to look at. I, for me, you, you, I think we're all thinking about the scene, uh, the mother dropping her off at the airport. Oh my fucking god! The one that got me, I think, was uh, the father and the son applying for the same job. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, I that was definitely a glad I was watching it at home. Hit the old pause button. Just kind of took a deep breath or two. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. It's just a movie. It can't hurt me. If the movies we watch already can't hurt me, this can't hurt me. Yeah. Well, I I liked it. I especially liked the ending. The ending, the final shot, kind of reminds me of the ending of Dunkirk, but for very different reasons. I'd say for (laughs) anyone who's left me, just go watch both of them, and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. As for The Shape of Water, I'll also get into that here, because I also watched it. Uh, Would you like to say something about it before I get into it? I just think it's incredible that The Shape of Water is this meticulously made, gorgeous, beautiful movie, and it's the third best looking movie I saw this weekend. Oh boy, is movies are good sometimes. If I could call The Shape of Water any one word, it would be, and I know this word is probably the most overused word when it comes to describing movies, but I have to say it, it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. I mean, that that's really the word that nails up every single part of it, because it's not just that it's gorgeous looking, and it is gorgeous to look at i mean there are so many shots in there where it's better than anything else that came out this year but man that the entire ending i just loved i just thought like the the final words of it those were so beautifully written and the story's just beautiful uh a couple things about it is uh we'll save the best part for last year uh the twist um i'm not going to give it away but the fairly obvious twist that occurs in the last minute uh, I should have realized that at the very beginning. So oh, man. That was, okay, good. It's not just me. I was this like, is a happened. I was oh. just like, oh, I'm such an idiot for not seeing that. Uh, <laughs> How did I never assume yeah. this? Now, as we mentioned, this is a very beautiful movie, but there are also some of, 
I would argue some of the grossest things I've ever seen. Oh my god the the elder lady next to me did not appreciate some of Michael Shannon scenes. Uh, I think we're both thinking of the one Michael Shannon scene in particular. Oh, yeah. well, that's boy. you forget like oh it's a Del Toro movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Because um, have you seen Crimson Peak? No, I haven't. It is a gorgeous movie. There's a it's a beautiful castle. It's just like stunning to look at. And then someone just gets their fucking head head bashed in on a sink. You're like, oh, that's right. Oh uh, yeah, it's still Gilmore Del Toro. <laughs> that's the thing is like about this movie is that even though it's rated R, I think it's really really easy to get into. Strap yourself in, folks. We're going to talk about this for a couple of minutes here. Is that Shape of Water could very well warrant its own episode of the podcast, but be a little bit off brand for us. He said about a movie that's ostensibly based <laughs> on Creature of the Black Lagoon, but for this, I, I just kind of feel like Ooh, crackly Mike. Oh. Oh, it fixed. Yeah, sorry. sorry. That's cool. Uh, I, I think that for this, one of the things that really gets me is that it's so easy to understand. This is a this is a movie that everybody could get, you know? It's it's not one of those like super pretentious, like, oh, you know, it's, you have to really pay attention to the symbolism going on here. The symbolism is fairly easy to get. And the story is, you know, like, yeah, there's a it's subtle, but it's not like, oh, you really have to pay attention to exactly what they're saying and what they're not saying. It's like, no, this is going to happen because of this. It's very obvious uh, for everyone to understand. And that's a compliment. It's a really, really good thing. If you were a kid watching this, you could understand what's going on. You'd be freaked out. and You tell all the kids at school the next day what you watch, but you, you would be able to get the basic idea of what's going on. And I think the worst criticism I hear about this movie is the most reductive thing. And it's always by people, I'm pretty sure, who didn't actually watch it. There are always people who say, oh yeah, it's a movie where a lady fucks a, a mute lady fucks a fish. That's the that's the best you can come up with? That's the best you can do? Hey, that's, it got my butt in the seat. Well, okay, yeah, but still, it's like, that's <laughs> like the lousiest thing. So I don't even think this is a spoiler because everyone keeps describing it this way. It's like, yeah, when that actually does happen in the movie... You're not even thinking it's weird by that point. You're just like, geez, I wonder what took her so long, you know? She's so happy. It, it just... It, she finally feels like she's found someone. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh, man, the scene where she's describing why she has to save him. Oh, my God. That that played in my head the whole drive home. Yeah. Just on repeat. That, that uh... A lot of feelings came out of that windshield. Yeah, that one hurt a lot. Now, I have to tell you about Michael Shannon. Uh... I should have seen him on screen. I actually snickered because I knew immediately he would have to be the bad guy. He looks like Bob Evil. (laughs) 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 He is truly incredible at being a nightmare of a human being. He is extremely good at it. This is not a criticism. It's, you know, the fact that he's playing a stereotype caricature of a villain it makes it so it's easy to understand. This is one of the the really bad criticisms I've heard is that people say a lot of scenes didn't go anywhere. I think the a lot of the scenes that people think weren't going anywhere, the ones I keep hearing described that way, they're the ones that sort of build the character in a way. Uh, one of the scenes where it's just like, there's a subplot that doesn't go anywhere about Michael Shannon wanting to fuck the deaf lady. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. It's to make him more repulsive. And it, it's done that way you know, for that reason. And the movie does a very good job of it because Michael Shannon is extremely repulsive in this movie. Uh, it's such to the point that he is much more disgusting than the creature could ever be. Um, one last thing, because <laughs> uh, I don't want to go on too much about this because otherwise we'll, we'll talk about nothing but the shape of water. So 
I've heard nothing but good about this, right? I walk into the Angelica Mosaic. It took me forever to find a theater that was showing it that I could actually go to see because I was busy with so many other things. I actually get in there. I'm missing out on a lot of sleep to get in there. I park my hinder right in the seat. And everyone else in the theater is a woman. And they're all, I'd say, at least 40 years old. And Oh, did you get it? Did you get the trailer too? Did you get it? Well, I got the Annihilation trailer. That's it. What, what trailer are you talking about? Buddy... In the movie where the lady fucks the fish, me and my elderly audience got the Fifty Shades free. Oh, yeah, we got that one, too. It is so much worse than I thought it would be. Dude. (laughs) I didn't mean to derail you. I thought we shared that connection. I'm going to make you watch that in theaters, dude. (laughs) Anyway. Um, You know what? I used MoviePass for the first time. Pretty incredible. (laughs) In the name of content, we will fucking do this. If you want to, if that's your vote. (laughs) That's fine. Anyway, uh, so the, you regret so that. the ladies, uh, a bunch of ladies sat down in front of me. Uh, three, they were in a group, uh, and they were, you know, just kind of, ga- you know, jabbering away about whatever. And they all had their little salads that they got from Angelica's Cafe there. And the movie starts, and you hear the the theme song, and it's like you know that piano song that just plays throughout the entire movie. And as soon as you see the first name for the opening credits. One of them turns to the other and says, and I, I'm not kidding about this, is this a science fiction movie? And I nearly <laughs> got up and left. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. I was just like, oh, God, if they're going to be like this for the entire movie. Uh, no, they were they were good. They were. Uh, they didn't talk much throughout the movie. But uh, if, if I had had to deal with that the entire movie, I think I would have blown out my brains. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, that was a really good one. So I'm happy I saw it. Uh, did you see saw anything f- else? No, that's okay. it. But I just wanted to ask you this: Did you know Michael Shannon's story about shooting that movie about the Waco, Texas siege with the Branch Davidians? No. Well, he plays like the sheriff in it, and every single person he's told about has asked him, "Are you playing David Koresh?" Everyone just assumes he's the nightmarish cult leader that got everyone killed. <laughs> Michael Shannon is too pure for this world. I love Enough him. about Janet Reno. Ew. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You know, my dad was once on a plane right next to Janarina. He lived to talk about it, huh? <laughs> Yeah. He'd just stand up and salute her the entire flight. <laughs> no, actually, I think there was like some sort of thing about secrets. Or, anyway, uh, so... God, I just remembered. I got the Fifty Shades Freed. I got that horrendous Red Sparrow trailer with Jennifer Lawrence. Ugh. And I got the 1517 to Paris. It was a rough go getting to that movie. Well, it could have been worse. It could have... Uh, Future episode 1517 to Paris. I don't even know what that is. Portrayed by the real heroes who stopped the London train attack. <laughs> no, I didn't see that by one. By Clint Eastwood. Holy dog shit. Watch that trailer. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Uh, so I got home and immediately my dad put on a movie he's been telling me about for a couple months now. It's called Citizen X. It's about the most prolific serial killer in Soviet Russian history. And uh, I gotta tell you, this one was a pretty good movie. It's got Donald Sutherland and Max von Sydow, who you know from Robin Hood. And he's... <laughs> I hate it when people describe, you know, Max von Sydow. It's like, yeah, and all these American movies. It's just like, you know, he was in The Seventh Seal, one of the greatest movies of all time. And Strange Room. My, my favorite my favorite performance is when he showed up in the beginning of Force Awakens and then died. Because they always need an old British guy to die in these movies. Typical. Anyway, uh, here's the reason the Citizen X works and the Snowman didn't. In Citizen X, everyone does the same accent. So it's like, it's believable, oh, even though it's uh, in English about a, a Russian story. So that one works. And 
they even get a little bit of humor into the story about a guy who killed 52 people. So it's, I have to admit, it's a pretty good movie. Um, The main actor kind of does the same face throughout the entire thing, but so did uh, Russell Crowe in Robin Hood. So, So I watched a movie from 1971 called McCabe and Mrs. Miller. It is a Western and it is one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) This is, seriously, this is one of the ones everyone keeps telling me about, yeah, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. It's on all these different, you know, top movie lists and whatever. Robert Altman, the most overrated director of all time. Fuck that guy. (laughs) He also did uh, 1975's Nashville. Fuck that movie. Fuck this movie, too. They're both terrible. The only actor of, oh, it's got Warren Beatty in it and Julie Christie. I don't even know what Julie Christie was in. Warren Beatty's terrible in this. Uh, Shelley Duvall's in it for a hot second. It. Oh, let me tell you what it's about. It's about this uh, this guy who goes to the Old West. I don't even remember this movie takes place. 19th century or some shit. I don't know. He goes to uh, like the Old West. He's like, I'm going to set up a brothel here. And he has like a couple of tents with the, like the rattiest looking prostitutes you've ever seen. And a uh, prostitute from Britain comes over and she's like, why not get like a real you know brothel going up here? You know, keep it clean and stuff like that. I can tell you, you know all about it. He's like, yeah, fine, whatever. So they get a brothel going up. The movie continues for another 90 minutes, then he gets killed. <laughs> so that's the movie, oh and I had to watch it. And it was, it, it's really bad. And people will admit, it's like, okay, so the sound mixing was pretty bad because he was experimenting with stuff and he was really intent on getting all the background noise and stuff. I can't understand what the people are saying. And they're speaking with American accents. So That's back-to-back weeks you've watched a movie made before 1982 and it blew up in your face. That's all I'm saying. Well... Then you would like to hear the years from the next movie. So watch. Give me a second here. Oh, boy. Okay. So I watch one, two, three, four, five, six other movies. Uh, They're all from the uh, mid-50s. And... Of course they are. Now, there is a reason I watched all these. Uh, Let me see if any of these names strike you as familiar. Revenge of the Creature. The Leech Woman. The Mole People, The Deadly Mantis, The Thing That Couldn't Die, Mm -hmm. The Undead, Mm -hmm. Terror from the Year 5000. I'm here for it. Now, now, Revenge of the Creature is a sequel to Creature of the Black Lagoon, which uh, is basically uh, the movie you just watched, The Shape of Water. Revenge of the Creature is marginally better than Jaws 3 and marginally worse than Jaws 4, The Revenge. So, wouldn't recommend that. The Leech Woman does not have any leeches. The Mole People uh, does not have any moles. The Deadly Mantis is kind of boring. Reminds me of the Savage Swarm. The Thing That Couldn't Die is more like a head that couldn't die. Sorry to spoil that. The Undead is more of a fantasy than a sci-fi. And Terror from the Year 5000 hasn't gotten very good either yet. Uh, The other thing these movies all have in common is, yes, they are all Mystery Science Theater 3000 movies. But that's not the reason (laughs) that I watch them. Yeah, it is. The the reason I watch them is they are all science fiction movies. And... uh, here we go, guys. We're getting into the main segment here, only 18 and a half minutes into the podcast. When we first watched Blade Runner some years ago for both of us, neither of us really got it. Like, we could see it's like, yeah, it looks nice, but by the time we got to the very end of it, by the time this movie found purchase, we're just like, I, I feel like we missed something here, right? My immediate reaction was... You know, I'm watching it on a shitty little laptop, which is the optimal way to watch the beauty that is played yeah. on your VLC player. <laughs> right. The credits start rolling. I'm watching it with a friend, and we both look at each other and go, well, I don't get it. <laughs> Clearly, I missed something. Clearly, I don't understand. We're- and I immediately scoured like all the podcasts I listened to. It's like, type Blade Runner. Like, all right, download this. Maybe we'll get some insight here, because I don't know 
what this is. This is not what I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, and I felt bad, because I immediately knew that I was a problem. It probably wasn't the version I watched, although there are, like, four different versions of Blade Runner. I probably picked a bad version or something. And the entire time I was on my phone, I was just not paying. I was like, I don't care what's going on here. So the reason I watch these bad science fiction films is I was like, okay, look, I'm going to get my expectations really low here so I can be blown <laughs> away. And let me tell you, that made this seem like perhaps the best science fiction movie ever made, which people have argued that it is, and I can see why. Uh, the The number one thing I kept texting you about, and I believe it very seriously, is I don't know how they made Blade Runner in 1982, because it is gorgeous. Now, that being said, if you're going to watch Blade Runner, ladies and gentlemen, the original one, watch the 1997, it's called The Final Cut. I believe it's either 1997 or 2007. I don't remember what year it came out. It's called, I think it's 2000, yeah, whatever. So it's called the final cut. Watch that version. It's the definitive version of it. That is the one to watch. Boy, it's good. It is really, really, really good. It's not just a story, but oh man, those visuals, it looks so pretty. And by the way, that final cut Blu-ray I found in a Walmart Blu-ray bin. So it's cheap and it's gorgeous. Just like me. Spend the $6. <laughs> Absolutely. It You know, it's really, it tells you a lot about a movie when Harrison Ford is only the fourth most beautiful thing in it. Oh, man, he is a handsome man. Anyway, I might as well tell you what the story is about. <laughs> Good so, luck. My name is Harrison Ford, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to my movie. There's uh, replicants, and they're basically human cyborgs, and they have to do all the work for us. And uh, it's my job as a Blade Runner, it's the name of the movie, to go ahead and kill them. It's uh, two hours long. Enjoy it. Five stars. Yeah. <laughs> so, I will say this, I, I love Harrison Ford, but he kind of does have voice throughout the entire movie. <laughs> it works, though. It, it does work, so, for what that's worth. It, it does work. Uh, he's really good in it. He's, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. I think he's better in this than he is in either Indiana Jones or Star Wars. See, like, the first time going into this, I didn't expect this performance, because I'm used to only seeing him sci-fi-wise in Star Wars and knowing how much he fucking hated being in Star Wars. <laughs> so I was not expecting him to be fully game for the most sci-fi-ass thing I've ever seen him in. I mean, there's that's, that's a big thing, too. But the other thing that really stands out to me is not just how good it looks, but how forward-thinking the director Ridley Scott was back in 1982, because... There's very little that dates this movie. There's very little that just looks like, oh, this is a man in the 80s conception of what the future looks like. This is all stuff that's like either it came to fruition or it's just like, yeah, I could see that coming into play in the next like 20 years or something like that, you know? So I think it all works. Like one of my favorite ones is like, yeah, they have telephone booths, but they're like Skype booths now, basically. And I'm like, yeah, I could kind of see that. There is one thing that dates this movie, and that's that people use actual physical photographs. And no one does that anymore today. Like, maybe your parents do, but you don't. Maybe that's why they were so sentimental to them. They were the last remaining photographs. That's a possibility. In that subplot that went nowhere. Uh, well, you know, it's I, I don't know that it went nowhere. I thought it helped characterize everything. This is one of those things where, for me, science fiction really needs to be about something, you know? It needs to have some sort of message, some sort of moral. This is one of the reasons that I have a little bit of trouble getting into a, a good half of the episodes of Star Trek or you know most of star wars is that star wars is mostly okay. a story but 
it's not really a story about anything. If you try to tell me the moral of Star Wars, it's like what they're trying to tell you is like, good versus evil. Well, good's the good side, and bad, bad's the bad side. Whereas with this, there's a whole lot more going on. There are several themes that are very important to discuss. There's, you know, you know what it means to be human or you know, what it means to be a moral agent. I think that was a, a really good one, you know? Yeah, but there's no lightsabers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's no I Jar Jar. I don't understand. How d- First of all, how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, there's nary a Gungan in this movie. <laughs> Well, I, there's no knee slappers of any kind. It's so serious. No one steps in the booth. Ha, Misa Deckard. Oh, man. Uh, you know who else is pretty good in this movie is Rucker Hauer. Rucker Hauer is, barely know is good in exactly two movies, and this is one of What's them. What's this other movie that he's good in? The Hitcher. The Hitcher was surprisingly oh, that's good. That's a very Parker movie. Turns out when the guy who films Mad Max shoots your horror movie. It's pretty good. I bet. Uh, I will say Rucker Howard did kind of get my only laugh in this movie. It's during the climax. He's like delivering his like literary soliloquies to uh, Harrison Force. He's chasing him around that abandoned building. And he says, six or seven, will he go to hell or will he go to heaven? It just gets cracked across a cranium with a lead pipe. <laughs> Some three stooches ass shit. Man. Now, this is going to be a, my favorite time of episode where we go, hey. Do you remember this part? That was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Boy, for me, I, I have to say, there are so many different parts where it was just like, when you look at the original Blade Runner, there's so many moments where you can just pause it and be like, cut, print, put it on my wall. Because it is so beautiful. It is so much fun to look at. We, we kept saying that about Shape of Water. Blade Runner is so much better looking. Like, again, seriously, Shape of Water has some of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen. Blade Runner, just about the entire movie is like that. Look, as a smooth brain with, like, a very low reading level, it's not often I finish a movie and go, well, I just want to study this for the next week. I want to read anything I can find on it and watch any video I say that exists. That three-and-a-half-hour documentary, I will be tracking that down with great prejudice. Oh, yeah. I want to know everything. I am going to watch I want to see them just... I just want to see them compose a shot. That's the thing. Just any shot in this movie. I, just how did it When happen? I watch that movie, I keep wondering, how do they do it? How do they do it? Because for some of these shots, I know it's just hard work. It's going to be like a long time setting up the shot. I, I think that's probably half the reason that he sounded so bored. Uh, Harrison Ford sounded so bored when he was recording his lines. It's like, he must have been sitting in that chair forever. He's like, okay, we're going to get the... Especially like, think about what he's like looking at the photograph. He's telling his computer to enhance that shot must have taken them so long to set up. You have to have the light just right and the color just right. He has to be sitting there making the right face for it and everything. And it's just like the background's got to be just right and all the props and everything. Oh, speaking of props, remember that, that like that room where he's looking for Rachel? I paused it and just stared at the room for a bit. Like the amount of time it would take just to dress that set. Oh my god, so much care put in I made a uh, comparison to the clown room from the newest version of It. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. Uh, you know what else I'm thinking of? I, and I, I hope you're going to be able to help me out here. Where have I seen that chick's getup before? Where she puts on like kind of like the uh, raccoon eye sort of thing and like the blonde wig and everything? God, it did look familiar and I could not place uh, it. What about the movie Murder Party? That sounds very familiar. Yeah, that I, I have a feeling that we've seen that. I'll let you look that up. I'll talk about something else in the movie. I, I just want to be, you know, 
Deckard and getting ramen noodles from a from a food truck outside my apartment. Fortunately, food trucks never come to Poolsville because it's complete bulldog. Oh. You are hundred percent. Yes. Right. Boom. Trivia, baby. How have you seen Murder Party? But I have. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I need to rewatch it. Oh. I mean, it's been on my shutter list for like two. Okay. Years. I also needed to tell you really quick because I I said, oh yeah, it could be like a trivia answer. I gotta tell you guys about trivia. So my trivia team, we re- <clears throat> we recently went to the World Series of Trivia. There were 114 teams there, so well over 700 people. We finished 12, so it's pretty good. But. Josh went with me, <laughs> and one of the questions was Oscar-nominated movies. So everyone's like, yeah, we'll just put our bonus on it because Chris watches movies, the freak. And I'm just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew the question, I knew the answer to the question as soon as he said it. It was, uh, what two Oscar-winning movies featured title characters that were killed in the first 15 minutes of each movie. One was killed by a motorcycle crash, the other was killed by a gunshot. Do you know the answer to these? Of course not, because one of them is from 1982 and the other is from 1962. The one from 1962 is Lawrence of Arabia. The one from 1982 is Gandhi. And as soon as I wrote down Gandhi, Josh looked at it and laughed and said, yes, that is 100% the answer. Why (laughs) is Gandhi funny to him? That's a very good question. Glad you asked. So as soon as I went to, uh, as soon as I met Josh, I was, I met him at uh, the Regal Movie Theater in Rockville, Maryland, and we were, I was mentioning, yeah, I love movies, I love this, I love that, and I was like, I love Gandhi, I recently watched that, one's was a really good one, and he started laughing because he, he cannot help but laugh at the way that Ben Kingsley is killed at the beginning of the movie by a gunshot. Someone comes up to him, kills him at point-blank range, and Ben Kingsley, as Gandhi says, oh, God, and Josh finds that funny. Josh finds that really <laughs> funny because he just goes, oh, God. He's like, you know, if someone shot me, I probably wouldn't say that. You know, like, I probably would. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and he's telling everyone else at the table. It's just like, yeah, it's so funny how he says, oh, God, when he gets shot. Everyone's like, yeah, maybe he's in pain because he got shot. He's like, you know, if I got shot, I probably would say something else. I'd probably say fuck or something or, or just like, <laughs> don't shoot me <laughs> or help or something. I was just like. He, he's been shot in the lungs. The, the, the poor man is like, we have. We also didn't speak English. It's like he spoke a little bit of English, probably enough to say, "Oh God." It's, that's not a funny it's part of the movie. Play in my head anytime I read DC news. I'm just imagining, "Oh God, <laughs> Shazam has begun fist principal photography." Oh God. Well, if I'm just put that little uh, sound clip in here at the end of it. <laughs> Anyway, so sorry. Pepper that into the news break. <laughs> sorry for that quick detour, folks. Uh, Parker, I'll let you go in about Blade Runner since I was going in on it for a bit. Hang on, I lost my place in my notes here, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let's see. Do you want to like talk about the plot or do you just want to jump around to different ideas? Uh, I think we should probably jump around to different ideas. Uh, the plot is a little bit t- difficult to talk about. I will say this. The movie is very much a film noir sci-fi. Absolutely. In that case, the voiceover almost makes sense if you're going to do like a 40s film noir. I guess. But, you know, don't write a shitty voiceover that he doesn't want to do. Yeah, he very clearly was not a fan of doing this voiceover, as you can kind of tell by the delivery that he went with. If I do a bad job, they won't use it. <laughs> what do you mean it's in theaters? <laughs> Oh man, that that's the thing. Is like so, this movie is so good. I can't. I I hope they show this at Alamo Draft House. I am going to be first oh God, in line. I will be there so quick. <laughs> so the biggest thing is the unicorn. Hmm. That's what I want to talk okay, about. Let's let's go ahead. How in the theatrical cut, that's not there. You just assume he's a human being. 
Harrison Ford to this day still insists he's a human. Mm-hmm. But in the director's cut and then the final cut, the director's cut isn't a real director's cut. It's still pretty good, mm-hmm. though. You know, they add in the unicorn dream he has. And then at the end, Ed- Edward James almost puts down the origami unicorn. It's like, wait a second. Does that mean he's a replicant? And that put a thought in my head today. That imagine, you you know, it's 1982. You see Blade Runner. You love it. You just spurg out about it like I do for Star mm-hmm. Wars. And it's your favorite movie. And years later, like, guys... We're going to put a director's cut with more scenes. You go, fuck yeah, dude, I'm going to be there opening weekend. And you see it, and now the entire movie is completely different. You spent your whole life assuming that, and then it's completely flipped on its head. Where is that person, and can I talk to them for hours? Well, oh, that's, you know, I would love to hear what that person thinks about it, but if we're going to get into theory and speculation here, I do think that Deckard is a human. And I think what that scene does an extremely good job of is kind of towing the line and showing people that it can be a little bit difficult. It sort of like blurs the line between are you a human, are you a replicant? It can be difficult to tell. Uh, personally, I, I'm pretty pretty much on board with the fact that he's a human because he's more likely to feel pain. Um, and whereas like he can't just reach into boiling water and grab an egg. It was just like one demonstration, like, look at all the stuff that I can do, you know? So I also thought it was kind of clear at a couple points, you know, that he was made human. That's just my take on it. But if you want to argue that he's a replicant, then I think that there are a lot of things that could work in that favor. And I think the unicorn dream is one of them. Uh, I think that is it's one of its uh, few purposes in there. If you were to cut out the unicorn dream, I wouldn't be against the whole thing. Um, but uh, Ridley Scott will be the first to tell you he's a replicant. He's been saying it non-goddamn stop. And I hate I, it. It's like, how do you miss the point of the movie you made? And then I saw Prometheus, and I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> Whoops. I, I have to say, if, okay, if I have to go with the auteur theory, then I guess Ridley Scott is correct, but you know what? I watched Blade Runner 2049, and uh doesn't really add up to this theory that yeah. uh, this character is a replicant, so sorry, Ridley Scott. Harrison Ford says it's a stupid idea, and I'm not going to start disagreeing with Han Solo at this point. Exactly. It's been 27 years. Why would I change now? <laughs> This old dog can't learn new tricks, Chris. <laughs> that's why we see every Marvel movie. Yeah. Yes, that's true. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just a kind of a bad theory. I know the O-Tier theory says I have to go along with everything the director says, but, you know, the O-Tier theory would also make me go along with everything that George Lucas says for Star Wars, and I'm sorry. I, I do not like his own vision for his own IP in this case. Same thing goes here. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm very much on board with the idea that... Uh, that this character is a human, mostly because that's simply the way he portrayed it. If he wanted to portray this, like, no, really, this character's a replicant, he's got to do a better job. Because, like, I know in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. I guess. But that was the theme that I attached to most, was this human being learning about, you know, fucking how close we are to androids and what really separates us and, like, having dignity in your death. (laughs) Like, all these slow, prolonged shots of the androids dying looking like they're in agony. Like, feel like that's i mean that's the main point i followed in the movie and then just be like actually it was two robots fighting the whole time gotcha see it ya. does talk about like i think the fragility and the value of life the value of life is a really big one because as soon as you realize that the cyborgs are only on earth for four years and they got you know fake memories and fake this and fake that and that final soliloquy there where he's talking about you know all these beautiful things that he's seen and they're going to be lost now forever 
it makes it so it's like, yeah, you need more than four years to really appreciate all the things that you see in your life. And even when you think that you've lived a, a kind of a meaningless life that hasn't been exciting or, or whatever, just seeing some of the things that you have seen, that could be almost miraculous in a way. And you've got to learn to appreciate it, you know, because life is not very long. I think actually one of the best lines in the entire movie, it's, it's a shame she won't live, but then who really does? Man, what a good fucking Yeah, it's, it's very well written. Uh, I think it does a very good job of that. I think it's incredibly well shot. I mean, this is one where I might have to get the poster for this movie. I, I, I love this so much. I, it's For me, this is a critical reappraisal. I think this is a 10 out of 10 movie. It is essential if you are a science fiction fan. It is one of the very best science fiction movies ever made, if not the best. It's. I mean, the, for me, the big question is, is it better than The Thing? I still very much lean towards The Thing being a better movie. Blade Runner is creeping up there. Wasn't that the same year? Same year. That is. Both of them got bad rap by critics because everyone was busy seeing E.T. the extraterrestrial. Fart. That movie fucking. How long into this movie did you realize, like, oh no, not only was I wrong, I was the wrongest I've ever been about a movie? I'd say, like, how long did it take? I think five, maybe ten minutes in. Yeah, knowing, like, because the plot. And honestly, as bad as the voiceover is, it kind of helps for a first-time watch just to know what the fuck is going on. But knowing like what the beats are going in and just being able to absorb myself in the movie, I knew pretty early on, like, oh, no, I'm fucking stupid. Like, like I know I have bad taste, so normally I just assume I'm in the wrong, but I was really in the it wrong. It does require you to pay attention. And I think that was a big thing, because I do have attention deficit disorder. It's a little bit difficult for me to pay attention to these things with all these flashing lights and beep boops, and there's no step of the poo-poo. But overall, now that I've actually paid attention and being like, okay, this matters because of X, Y, and Z, I feel I feel enriched. I really do. I feel enriched. I, I feel so much better. I, I, I think I, I am a better person for having watched this. I'm not kidding about that. I'm not like, oh, look at me, suck my dick because I watched an old movie. No, I, I feel like... Uh, yeah. You would never. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, No, I I feel like this is something that everyone ought to see. I'm I'm proud of myself for getting it now, you know, because the first time I watched it, I was just like, oh, I I feel like a jerk for not getting it, you know? And that's the thing, it's like, there have been a lot of critically well-received movies that I didn't like. One of them was, uh, was I just told you about, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. People love that movie, and I can't stand it. And with this one, I was just like, oh, Blade Runner. Oh, Blade Runner. It's like, who's the lead actress again? Sean the, all the, the entire time, all I kept thinking about was that she had some sort of Barbara Stanwyck-looking-ass haircut. And <laughs> now I rewatch it, I think she's gorgeous. And she's, she does such a good job. You know, there's two other things that come to mind. I, I just got to get these out. Is that one, this reminds me of... There's a book you ought to read called Dangerous Visions. Yes, by Harlan Ellison. And what it is... <laughs> no, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, he only edited it. He didn't actually write it. So it's a collection of 33 different stories by 32 different authors. One of them is by uh, Harlan, but they're all written in this sort of way. And this story reminds me of a good, like, a good chunk of the stories in there are written in very much the same way as this story. And that's a very high compliment because Dangerous Visions is an excellent book. Probably the most important science fiction book ever written, at least in my opinion. And the other thing that it kind of reminds me about is the phrase, more human than human. 
This is important. I will be referencing this again in Blade Runner 2049, because when you talk about more human than human, you also have to think about American productivity. You have to think about the way that we make things. If it's going to be more human than human, they really have to go all out. Imagine, you know, you're a young, eager starlet in Hollywood, and you're told to act in this movie. It's like, yeah, you're going to be like a, a cyborg, humanoid, robot, whatever, uh, replicant in this case. How would you act? too many ways to go with this and the way that most people would go with this is they would you know oh i i wouldn't blink robots don't blink or i would talk like this or you know or they would move in a sort of stiff manner they don't do that in this movie they very much try to blur that line they try to be oh it's kind of hard to tell sometimes and that's again one of the reasons that I don't think that uh, Harrison Ford plays a replicant in this is he's a little too natural in this, but <clears throat> for a lot of this is Rucker Hauer seems like a human being, so do pretty much all of the replicants. They seem like these are actual people until it's actually discovered that they are replicants. Then they seem more robotic, but they're blinking. They're they're, they're doing this. They're doing that, and it's it's not like a stereotypical robotic acting. And if they had done that, the movie would have been a lot worse. There are literally thousands of ways this movie could have gone horribly wrong. Like, every single frame you can just see them walking that tire rope of, like, is this going to be a humongous fucking dud that gets forgotten forever and ruins our careers? Because, man, like, Harrison Ford had done Star Wars and Indiana Jones, right? Yes. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you get one too many bombs on your sleeve that early. He's like, oh, you're just... You're the silly Star Wars well, guy. You get Mark Hamill. He was also in the conversation, just, for what that's worth. I've never heard uh, of it. There's probably no lightsabers in that <laughs> No, either. there's no lightsabers. I was only nominated for a couple Oscars. Anyway, uh, <laughs> which, I actually, I'm on your side with that shit. But, uh, so was the post. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Uh, but, you know, for this one, I have to agree that, you know, he was in a couple of hits. Yeah, sure, that's good and all. But, this is one where it's. I think it's a lot more serious than. Obviously, it's a lot more serious than Star Wars, everyone's first baby movie, and it's a lot better than you know okay. everyone's favorite you know serial sort of like uh, send up is uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This one is about something. Damn it! It's it's about more than you know. Good versus evil. It's just like evil versus good. It's no 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 no. This this is something real. You know, there there are themes here. It, it means something. It's about something. And I, I just love everything that this movie does. Again, I can't get over the way it looks. Also, you know, the soundtrack is good because it's so subtle. They, they never go full on. Like, If there had been a moment where it's like, it's the, you know, he's being a hero or whatever, and you just hear that Star Wars theme, would have killed the movie. You know? Oh, come on. You can't do that, you know? Just barely having music at all. Just a couple, like, distant drums in the background or, like, a couple synthesizers in the back. You know, way more subtle than even John Carpenter would have done. I mean, if you want me to say something bad about the music, even though you personally insulted me in Star Wars, that's fine. No, I love the Star Wars music. I think think the music in Star Wars is the best thing about Star Wars. I just think that... It's such a major key of what I can't compliments. I'm about to flip this table. Well, it's certainly better than like Darth Vader or whatever. Anyway, so. Okay. <laughs> What's the next topic? What are we talking about now? Uh, what are we doing? We're so having fun. Ni- <laughs> I'm not mad. So, the 1998 movie Soldier, starring Kurt Russell. Uh, If only I hadn't known. You know, I I almost watched it, but I wouldn't have got any sleep today. So uh, we'll save that for another episode. That, That does interest me. 
You know, it really does interest me. It's got Kurt Russell in it. I have, the fact that that exists and I didn't know about it, I feel like I've been let down by people close mm-hmm. to me. Well, I've already, I already feel let down myself for not liking this the first time. Anyway, I guess, do you have anything else to say about Blade Runner? We we'll, we probably are forgetting something that we just loved in it, and we'll have to go back and say something about it. I'm sure we'll loop back to stuff in 2049. Oh, yeah, we'll say, like, oh, remember I, this in the original? You know? I felt so guilty, because I'm like, I'm super enthralled in the movie. Like, I'm completely into it. And then Rucker Howard comes on screen, and he looks just like the bad guys from This Island Earth <laughs> the MST3K movie. <laughs> It looks just like it. Oh, I knew I, I had then the little, that somewhere. And then the guy who was dying with, with the weird toys said he had metho, what is it? Methuselah syndrome, yeah. and all I could think of was Metaluna syndrome. All I could think of was this island Earth for like a solid 20 minutes in this movie. <laughs> Methuselah syndrome. I, all I can think about now is Frisky Dago, brother of Metalaeus. <laughs> 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 anyway, so Blade Runner 2049 was released in theaters in 2017, October 6th, if I recall correctly, one day before my birthday, and uh, we've been naughty. We Neither of us actually watched it in theaters. Uh, spankings all around? Boy, this might hold the record for new release movie that I regretted the fastest not seeing on a big screen. Yeah, I have to agree. That opening shot with that booming bass, I looked over the one minute and I was like, oh, we fucked up. Yeah, I made an oopsie. <laughs> and you know what? We kept making excuses like, I'm sure I'll get to it. I'll get to it eventually. But I will say this in our defense. I think one of the things that kind of stopped us from going into it is that we had both seen Blade Runner, but we hadn't actually watched it, you know? So... It was sitting on both of our hard drives or whatever. Maybe you had the Blu-ray, I'm sure. But we just didn't watch it. We were like, okay, if I'm going to watch Blade Runner 249, I need to watch Blade Runner first, so I have to watch this and watch that. It's like, it, it takes up a chunk of your time. And, and what if Blade Runner's October bad? 6th, right? Yeah, October 6th. Yeah, we were watching two Stephen King movies a That's week. That's a good point. Yeah. We didn't have time for a two-hour and 45-minute Blade Runner Yeah, which, movie. by the way. To a sequel, a sequel to a movie neither of us liked the first Yeah, we time. might as well call it. We had to Blade watch The Langoliers. Minutes. And the Tommyknockers. You think we uh, you think we made the right call on that one? Chris? Yeah, we stuck to our guns. Over Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So what? So what's longer, <laughs> this movie or the TV version of The Shining? Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I would watch eighteen hours of this before I sit down and watch. Well, that. eighteen hours is not far off from the total running time. I got through this in one sitting, which is more than I can say about the TV version of The Shining, because I've yet to get through it. <laughs> well, I will say this, is uh, two of my good friends whose opinions I trust about movies, uh, David Bentley and Jason Cortez, uh, they saw this and they said, movie of the year, easily, it's you know it's so good, you gotta go see it. And I was just like, that is very high praise, considering this had been, at that point, it had been a pretty decent year for movies. But I was all in on Dunkirk at the time. Uh, I don't think I had seen Lady Bird yet. But either way, I was just like, yeah, you know, all right, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll check it out. I'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, just when I think I've seen, you know, the top movies of the year, along comes another top movie of the year. And now I can see why people think it was snubbed for Best Picture at the Oscars. Like, this probably doesn't make my top ten, but if it wins a shit ton of awards, I would be hashtag not mad. I could, I think like, it's like barely it did, my top ten. It, it didn't do it for me personally, like, but I can already tell it's gonna be the same thing with Blade Runner. Like, well, as soon as this hits ten dollars on Amazon, I'm buying it, and I'll be rewatching it at least once every two years, if not every. Can year. you imagine just... the back-to-back to back feature of watching Blade Runner, then Soldier, then Blade Runner twenty forty nine? 
That is an afternoon that I wish to share with you, my friend. <laughs> that's that's a good way to, you know, you know, really do it. And I didn't know it was going to be two hours, 43 minutes. But, you know, I like longer movies like that. I have to admit, I'm very tired right now, so I almost doze off at a couple points. But I, I stuck with it. I paid attention. I think I have a general idea of what's going on. So Ryan Gosling, peace be upon him, uh, plays a replicant Beautiful who's man. here to retire, which means kill other replicants. The first one is Dave Bautista in his tiny glasses. <laughs> They're so tiny. <laughs> the teensiest glasses on his humongous melon head. Oh man! Also, put, I'm putting. You know what? I think I've said it before, but I'm putting my foot down. Dave Bautista better movie career than The Rock and John Cena. At this point, I think you have to be right. Like, like even Inspector, which is bad, he's good in Did it. Did you know that uh, John Cena is going to make an animated movie? He's going to be playing Peter Rabbit. No, that's not Why? true. That's actually going to be James Corden. I just felt like saying that. Anyway. Why do you <laughs> say things to hurt me? Anyway. Uh, you know, Alex, uh, the girl Alex, she keeps saying that I look like John Cena. And ordinarily, I take that as a compliment. But then I just think about that gif of him, like, slowly smiling. It just looks kind of weird. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Anyway. <laughs> but it turns out you more resemble young Harrison Ford, which is totally fair. Yeah, yeah cool. it's good. I feel like I've earned that. Um it's, it's fun to I resemble old Harrison Ford because I'm broken down and I just want to stop fucking talking about Star Wars for five minutes. <laughs> it's better than, uh, you know, looking like Jared Leto, who I'll get to. Um, just flying away from my problems in my fancy jet Which plane, is fun. And then crashing. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, he's tasked with finding uh, replicants and killing them. Then once upon a time, he comes across the remains of a replicant who was pregnant. So, replicants in this universe can give birth. That is a BFD, as the movie makes a little too clear at one point. When they start to spell it out, I was just like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it kind of let that poor, idea sit, you know? Poor Robin Wright has some dialogue to deliver about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, It'll break the world, Chris. But she does a good job of it. She's a really good actress. Look, everyone's good. Yeah. So... But this movie does not have the best script I've ever heard. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the, the one thing that really puts the original over this one is the script. Uh, this script, I think, really was in need of an editor. Uh, maybe Brian De Palma, because I, I keep thinking about Brian De Palma editing down that intro for Star Wars. He's just like, yeah, it's going to be like this. Just make it so we can understand it. This is like, make it subtle. I, maybe I shouldn't understand it the first time through. Maybe I should like really pay attention. It's all this other stuff. When you spell things out, it's kind of less cool, you know? Uh, there's that. Um, our other good friend Alex, a guy one, had a criticism that I, I saw after I watched this, and I kind of feel like I'm on board with it. When he mentioned that he's, he feels like a lot of scenes go on for one minute too long. Oh, yeah. Every scene, like, there's no scenes you would just cut outright. But every scene just lingers longer than it needs to. I, yeah. And, like, that's... But the thing is, like, that's what this movie is. If you cropped off 20 minutes of just scene setting, it's not the same movie. I, I agree. And that's me saying that, like, hey, no, make the movie almost three hours. <laughs> me and my notoriously small bladder and even smaller penis. <laughs> I, who could barely get through a two-hour movie in the theater without having to pee. Well, look, it's... For me, it's not about cutting it. It's about maybe shooting it tighter or writing it tighter or something because there are a couple moments where the opening scene with Dave Bautista there are a couple moments where it's just like this could be tighter you know this could, you could do it a little bit better you know it's, it's again it's not a huge problem it's just a couple points where I'm not saying like oh I need to get in and get it out and be done with all this 
it's it's just that you know it was a little bit longer than it could have been and I, I just feel like it could have been a little bit tighter now that being said there are still some gorgeous gorgeous shots and even there was like a little one remember where he first meets that bald guy the, like the shot of that it's just like there's this V of yellow in the middle of your screen and you're just like who shoots it like that? Who who can do that? How, how do I keep forgetting how good of an artist Ridley Scott is? Like, I think we're going to have a lot of positives to say, but we're going to hit on some we negatives. Will. But you are not going to hear us say this movie doesn't look good. If Roger Deakins does not win that Oscar, <laughs> I don't care about the Oscars, but holy fuck. It's for cinematography, right? This movie is... Yes. That's, this movie is so fucking That's gorgeous. the thing, is that it has very tight competition with... I keep saying tight too much, I gotta change that. It has very tough competition <laughs> from The Shape of Water. So, that's one where it's gonna be tough. I have to, I have to admit, I'm on your side. I would give the edge to uh, this movie, Blade Runner 2049, just because... I mean, I'm not gonna yeah, be mad either way. There are a couple shots More Oscars there, for and Del the way Toro, it uses so color. Can... Both, I mean, honestly, Shape of Water uses color, too. But uh, the way it uses color, there are so many moments you're just like, oh, man, that is something, you know? Every time they're in L.A. on the street, it's just like, fuck, R- Remember just when he meets that... Let me live in this. Remember when he meets that huge nude hologram of that pink lady with the blue hair? I have to admit, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, what the fuck? Uh, the other thing was, I was just like, it looks really, really good. But remember when she, like, fades into the into the building, right? He looks down at his oh. gun, and the scene just goes completely blue. Oh, my God, it looks so good. It looks just as good as the original, and that is incredibly high praise for me. Like, this movie is long. It's too long. I still wish I'd been able to watch it twice. It ended, I went to bed, and I woke up and immediately watched the three short films. Like, it may be long and has its issues, but I am so fucking in this Blade Runner world You know, right speaking now, of short films, we should probably mention about the original Blade Runner. See, this is one of the things I thought we'd come back and mention, is that it influenced a lot of anime. And... Oh, did it Yeah, ever. and probably a lot of manga. And I'm going to say it like that, and you're not going to stop me. So, Fine. yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway. Make your own choices. Yeah, you know, that's my favorite thing, Fine. is like just saying manga to people who like shit like that they're called otakus or something like that you can just say shit like yeah. that to them and be like what are you gonna do fight me and they'll just oh okay i'm sorry chad so i'll fight yeah. you chris <laughs> i'm just in charge of your movies <laughs> that's even worse uh but like think about it like this it influenced ghost in the smell which i didn't like it also influenced uh uh i'm gonna say it the right way akira uh, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, period. That's one of the ones where Akira, I think it's the second best anime movie ever made, and yes, better than any of the Hayao Miyazaki movies from Studio Giblets, but I think it's better, than, I like to call it an anime movie, is almost degrading it. It's one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. It really is. <laughs> Don't taint it with the anime label. <laughs> but I th- I'm pretty sure I said it on the podcast, but I've told you multiple times, like, the Alex we don't like has helped me rediscover that anime was actually always good mm, and i'm mm, so deep in sci- like 90s cyberpunk anime basically anime that looks like someone watched blade runner and now it's come full circle 2018 is the time to watch anime <laughs> look everyone hit me up on dragon ball fighters <laughs> it's so good <laughs> i'm sure that that will go on your my anime list anyway <laughs> oh wait it's an actual game isn't it so and it's for PlayStation 4? It sure Too bad is. I'm not paying for online. This is I just paid shit. my rent. I just want to talk about animes all day. Animes? Anime? Yes. Well. You know what? If you can just say manga, if you can just make up whatever <laughs> words you want, that's what we're doing here, so That's folks. pronounced. Words don't have don't meaning. Don't be disrespectful to the culture. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so th- that's the thing is that Blade Runner was good enough that people immediately recognized it. Universally, they were just like, God, this just looks so good. Here's another one for you. Ever hear of this guy? Hideo Kojima made Snatcher, Did basically it? like Blade Runner, but in Japan. That that link got posted in the Discord, and I was at work. And as soon as we're done recording, I'm reading oh, it. Oh, uh, that's the thing is I already uh, knew about it, because do uh, you ever watch Red Supreme? It's been a long time. I know, time. it has been a long time. It has. It's been like more Ooh, than a decade. Oh my god, right? I haven't thought of that in... I was a big fan of that back when it was going on. I remember Slowbeef made uh, an English translation of Snatcher. And I remember they were doing this one review of some dude with, like, gaming gloves was uh, doing a really shitty review of Snatcher. And I remember watching it. I was just like, this is basically Blade Runner. You know? There's really not a whole lot of difference. Uh, So, I mean, it's probably good. I hear good things about Snatcher. I'm never going to play it. But, uh... I, you know, I think it's uh, the fact that it's based on this movie shows that, yeah, it has a real influence on people. It had a real influence on artists. And, you know, that means something. So Jared Leto comes into Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> and he's got a shitty ass beard. Look, people, I, I try not to be too biased and sometimes it doesn't go my way. Like Aubrey Plaza, I still have a grudge against her. She's still my arch enemy. Um, I, I really don't like... Uh, who was the guy who made uh, Max Landis obviously biased against him <laughs> I I try to go into things with an open mind I still think Margot Robbie's a good actress even though she was in uh, Suicide Squad I still think Will Smith is a good actor even though he was in Suicide Squad Jared Leto can kiss my grits when he's <laughs> first of all he talks like this throughout the entire movie and he's got like the, the gray eyes and everything like that you, we've already gone over pause the fucking... between, in the middle of sentences but then the sentence is just bleeding into the next one <sighs> wanted to rip my hair out it's like look this movie's almost three hours fucking wrap it up now there's look I've already we've already talked about the stories of him on the set of uh, Suicide Squad and how that shit isn't funny you know it's like treating yeah, people like adults. that making movies is not easy it's like okay yeah playing pranks is fun every once in a while you know it's that that's cool uh one of my favorite ones is mel gibson on the set of uh, braveheart for one of the emotional Uh-oh. no this is no this Uh-oh. is a funny one this is a funny Uh-oh. one uh, oh, okay this is, this is a good <laughs> this, mel is like, yeah, this is good mel gibson <laughs> this real jokes are called everyone the n-word <laughs> no, we no, were no. laughing we're in no. kilts oh, no man. it was a different one we're real cut no, up no, no. it's for one of the emotional scenes he shared with this one woman and uh, you know he's the director of it too as well as the lead actor and for the scene he puts on a red clown nose and plays it completely straight I'm gonna tell you one thing Mel Gibson is a really really funny dude and that's funny it kind of it lightens the mood it's like okay we're having fun here no Jared Leto doesn't do that he sends people use condoms and like rats and, and anal beads and stuff like that that's not funny that's not funny, that's not cool, it doesn't make you find your character, it just makes you a jerk. Everyone hates you now. And you just made an already stressful environment, because I have to imagine that making Suicide Squad was not a lot of fun for everyone involved, even more stressful. <laughs> so, already I'm going into this with a negative attitude, and then he delivers that fucking performance in that movie, so already I'm even madder. For me, remember how I talked about in the first movie how people are not playing stereotypical robots, how they're, you know, they're they're blinking normally, they're acting normally until they're discovered, and uh, they're, they're not moving stiffly and everything like that. The biggest mistake that the Academy made was telling Jared Leto that he was good at something, because as soon as they gave him that that Oscar, he decided that he would be, oh yeah, I'm, I'm full method, I'm going to find my character, I'm not going to listen to the director, I'm just going to play it however the fuck I feel like, and... 
you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Ridley Scott is sucking Jared Leto's dick and saying, oh, yeah, he was really good in this movie. I couldn't disagree more because the entire time I just kept thinking, it's like, yeah, I get it. He's a replicant, too. He's got the great eyes. The way he talks is, like, different from the way human beings talk like that. That doesn't blur the line between, you know, who's a human and who's a, and who's a replicant. That just sort of thickens the line. It makes it bolder. It makes it, like, more easy to tell who's a replicant and who's a human. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Oh, I have good news for you, Chris. Because you break going to this tangent reminded me of the director's comments when Jared Leto first walked on set. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? No, them? I don't. Would you I, like I don't know them? what they are. Go ahead. We all heard stories about Jared, how he transforms into the characters. But even this did prepare me for what was to come. He entered the room, and he could not see at all. He was walking with an assistant very slowly. It was like seeing Jesus walking into a temple. Everybody became super silent, and there was a kind of sacred moment. Everyone was in awe. It was so beautiful and powerful. I was moved to tears. The director said this? <laughs> you sure did. You're making this shit up. I, this has been seared into my brain since I heard it before the movie came out. You know, I just got done praising he, like, actually blinded one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. He says shit like this. Ridley Scott didn't direct 2049. Oh, he didn't? Who was the director? Dennis... I can't pronounce his name. Who did Arrival? Oh. Sicario. Oh, whoever watched Arrival or Sicario. Villain knew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, good for this director. Um, Ridley Scott was too busy making Alien Covenant, which sucks my balls. Oh. Hey, it's cool if you like it. It's cool to like a movie as long as it's not Ready Player One. But I hated it. I hated it so much. Alien Covenant. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I'm going to watch yeah, that ever. That's a fart of a movie. Well... Because you see Jared Leto, like, wore these contact lenses so he was actually blind. Instead of just acting. You know, how come Harrison Ford can just do this so easily? By the way, speaking of Harrison Ford, doesn't it own that everyone's wearing these meticulous outfits? And Harrison Ford's like, I'm just going to pop on this t-shirt and sweats. Is that cool? <laughs> I'm not wearing, I ain't wearing these fruity coats y'all got going First on First of all, I, I love his getup. I think it is fantastic looking on him. I... I wear the same thing every day. So, same. Hey, look, once you get to that age, you, sh- you should just be able to do whatever. The other thing about Harrison Ford in this, and he's, is he's so much better in this than he is in Star Wars Force Awakens. Like, I thought he was fine in Force Awakens. I think he was I thought okay he looked like he was having fun. He looked like he was ha- he looked like he wanted to be there, which is more than you can say for Return of the Jedi. <laughs> but, like, watching... He's not in... He's moved, what, 20 minutes? Like, mostly in the third act? He's so fucking good. He is. He, although I will admit, he kind of has the exact same face that he has while kissing uh, Carrie Fisher after he finds out that uh, <laughs> he's uh, that she's Mark Hamill's brother. <laughs> uh, he's just kind of looks shocked and surprised by the whole thing, but he does a good job of it. You know, one of, one of my favorite scenes in twenty forty nine is the club scene. Now, you regular listeners will oh, yeah. know that my least favorite scenes in current movies these days are club scenes because you got that awful music going and the lights flashing and everything and the darkness and everything it's just an excuse for the director to try and already shower so like yeah young people go to clubs they can emphasize you know they can you know, identify with whatever and it always backfires on them. the worst offender is Blair Witch but in this one it was so good because the music would come and go or like all the shots would come and go it was very static and all staccato and everything I love that that was so good I mean god that's probably that's probably my favorite scene, honestly. I think, it, I think it might be my favorite scene, besides, like, I know it's a very small scene, but him meeting that uh, that giant 
nude hologram. I thought that was a pretty good scene too, just because it's blue face afterwards. That scene, what that scene tells you. Oh my god, dude. When you realize that you've watched him with joy, his little AI hologram thing, the whole movie, like forming this connection. And then we realize like, oh no, that was all a lie. That's what it tells everyone. Because mm-hmm. uh, Oh my god. They're... That's the thing, is like the entire time oh, you boy. really feel like she's a real person. And the entire time going up to it, I was about to text you, it was like one of the things that they do better than any other movie I've ever seen, especially better than her, is make an AI construct seem like a real person. It does it better than Cortana in Halo, which no one played anyway. But for this one, we kind of... Okay. <laughs> uh, this one, boy, she seemed... At first, I was just like, ah, yeah, I know that she's a fake hologram thing, especially in the scene in uh, their apartment, which, by the way, who's that actress? She is so adorable. I think she's like... From some Latin American country. They're all the same to me, Chris. <laughs> well, she's a cutie patootie in this movie. But uh, <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, you know, I, I was liking it. Um, his apartment is only slightly bigger than mine was when I was in Korea. I was just like, <laughs> oh, jeez, that life. Uh, how old is Ryan Gosling? Mid-30s now? Oh, he can be however old he wants to be. <laughs> Uh, I, I have to admit, you know, I, I think that uh, he did good in this. Uh, I think that lead actress, whatever her name, did well in this. Robin Wright did well in this. Uh, their stereotypical badass chick did fine in this. Um, I have to think she actually did a pretty good job in this, too. Uh, despite the fact that her role, there wasn't a whole lot of beat to it. She was basically playing uh, whoever the bad guy was, the, the main blade chick from uh, Kingsman 1. Oh my god! And unfortunately, you could tell during the climactic fight between her and uh, Ryan Gosling, where she's doing all those kung fu kicks and everything, you could tell why they shot it that way. So you can't tell it's her. They just put a stuntman in yeah, there. Yeah, with that last fight, like, was that a rewrite or something? That didn't seem to really fit anything else in the movie. I have to admit that the whole time I was watching, it, I was just like, "So we get another one of these later, right?" You know, I could I could already feel it's the like, three hour runtime. I was just like, "But this can't be the ending, right?" This weird fight in the water on what's clearly a studio lot. Yeah. <laughs> what are we? What did something? Yeah, happen? I don't know. It's I, I didn't hate it or whatever, but it did. Boy, that was a main one where that one went on a little bit too long. Like then he drowns her at the end. Just, oh, spoilers! It's just kind of. I was just like, Man, "This is still going. You guys are still fighting here, you know." Yeah, they, you guys want to get out of here. All the scenes to to really take your time with. That was not yeah, the one. exactly. I, I felt bad for Harrison Ford in that scene. I, I can only imagine him underwater being <laughs> like, "Oh, these fucking kids." You should watch it again and just watch his face because there's a couple where they catch him looking like. You guys, you just yell cut already? The entire time I kept thinking that if it was Harrison Ford in that scene, he would have, like, grown and just pulled out his gun and shot her. <laughs> <laughs> I love Harrison Ford when he tries. He's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's good. One of these days you'll watch The Fugitive. It's pretty good. Um, now, uh, I will say, I, I don't want to spoil this one. Because uh, I don't think me saying that he drowns her is like, yeah, the good guy wins. It's a movie. Uh, I don't think that's a spoiler. But for this one, I, I will not give away the ending. But I will say this is usually one of the ones that should have pissed me off uh, because it's it is only an ending, quote unquote. Did you ever play Bioshock Infinite? No, I never got to. I I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think it is a beautiful game. I I just got the collection on PS4, so I'm going to replay it at some point. The way that this movie ends is right when Bioshock Infinite gets interesting. So 
that's the thing. It's like, oh, maybe, you know, that's a bad place to end it. But then again, maybe it's also sort of the perfect ending. It's like now just this happening. Imagine what could happen here. Like, yeah, we'll put it down on film or whatever. It's just like, no, no, no. It's it's not even like it's leaving it open for a sequel. It's it's more like, you know, right here is enough for you to just imagine what the possibilities are. It's it's this is a movie being subtle. This is a movie letting the audience do its own thinking here. It's letting an audience do a little bit of the lifting on this one instead of saying, if humans found out that replicants could give birth, it would be a big fucking deal. You know, we wouldn't get to have slaves anymore. <laughs> By the way, Robin Wright's supposed to be on your side. She's the good guy. And she's like, well, we have to burn all the evidence or else we can't have slave labor it's anymore. It's very important like, oh, to get that slave labor. Oopsie, oopsies. I will say one of the other things that kind of dated the original Blade Runner and continues to date this movie is they have an Atari sign. <laughs> I love the, I'm so happy the Atari sign. Is back. Atari still a company? I I think it's been bought and sold. I think Infogrames like or something like that. I don't know. I don't think they know who owns their properties anymore. Yeah. Man, whoever played in Atari. Anyway, um, I you know, there's a lot about this movie that I, I could really get into. As far as the criticisms go, they are kind of few and far between. It's like, yeah, the runtime's a bit long. Jared Leto can eat a dick. And uh, they're, the writing couldn't be, you know, you know, it could have been a little bit better. But for this one, again, the visuals are just on point. They really know what they're doing. The story is really good. Right, the story is very good. It still makes you think. It's still, it's not just the whole, oh, are you a replicant or are you a human? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be a replicant? You know, it's about a little bit more than that. It's about, uh, you know, what, where does uh, humanity place value on itself? You know. And uh, I don't want to talk because you don't want to spoil anything. But to follow up what you said there, I kind of think it ends perfectly because. To dance around it best I can, and with what you were just talking about, like he spends the whole time thinking that he is this prodigal son, that the story is about him. He, the story's not about him, and then when he finds that out, uh, you know, the story takes a very different turn at the very, very end, and goes to the person the story has actually been about the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, speaking of taking different turns, is again bringing up Joy, his AI construct friend. There, you know, there's a whole lot of moments where it's like. You know, you start to feel bad for her sometimes. You you kind of like her. You, you grow attached to her, just as the main character does. And then when that, you know, pink hologram lady comes up there, you're just like, wow, that does change everything. And it does it. That realization, it, man. That stuff. It could have been done without words entirely. It would have been just as good. As soon as she just walks up and goes, hey, you look lonely. It was like, oh, fuck. Yep. No, by the way, you were talking about perfect marketing. A uh, naked lady walking up saying, hey, you look lonely. Nailed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and make you're gonna be a trillionaire. <laughs> Vaguely anime looking. Ah, oh, close yeah, enough. Blue hair. It's basically uh, it's two D's two D, but basically a Sailor Moon character. Actually, you say two D is two I mean, D. Is his is his AI construct two D or three D or? Look, I don't know how that sex scene worked, but all I know is, you know, he has an AI model named Joy J O Y that he goes mm-hmm. home to, and I too, after a long day at work, go home to visit my J O Y. Just endless streams of them. <laughs> well, and Joy, mom and dad won't be home for a while. I'll <laughs> say, yeah, uh, boy, I, 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 this is a good movie. I, I think this is a good movie. It's just like that. That scene in particular was a really good one of sort of illustrating, uh, you know, what's going on in his mind and everything. And this is another one where he does a really good job of 
kind of blurring the line between human and robot. Ryan Gosling, like as soon as they said it was him, I was like, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. I don't know if he's a human or android, but either way, it works. He's gonna be perfect. And as usual, my sweet, beautiful Ryan Gosling is perfect. I'm gonna tell you to the surprise of no I don't one. think Har- I don't think uh, Harrison Ford is a replicant. The movie does not make that clear at all. I like that it doesn't really matter either way. Because they always say a replicant had a kid, not two replicants. Because it could, so it could be either way. It could be him and her had a weird robot baby, or his weird, cool Indiana Jones sperm mixed with her robot womb and gave us whatever. Well, spoilers. Yeah. Well. This is... Oopsies. Yeah. Well. Well. It's... No, that's good. You cut yourself off there. It's it's fine. Uh, I gotta tell you, I think this one was totally worth watching. I think it was. Uh, I I regret not seeing it in theaters, but you know, sometimes you take the crank, sometimes the crank takes you. Anyway, I was so happy for those pee breaks. Like <laughs> I, I was mad at first, I didn't see it in theaters, but like an hour in, I paused it, looked at the run, how much time was left. I was like, yeah, you know what? And you got a tender tell me. There's a whole nother movie <laughs> left. Anyway, uh, so there are other science fiction movies that take place in the future that we should probably check out you know one that i was really thinking about is uh demolition man it's uh one of uh the other alex's top five movies ever made sylvester stallone wesley snipes uh someone else i'm sure i i i do like this movie i haven't seen it in years though so i think this would be a good one to revisit i'm here to talk about two things the fast food wars and the seashells. <laughs> That's all I'm. All right, for. guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.